This is the Visit the Zoo podcast, episode number 34. Today we hear about the cougar. We try to guess three mystery animal sounds, animal and zoo news, and a lot more. Hello and welcome everybody to episode number 34 of this Visit the Zoo podcast. I am your host, Frederick Fishman. I'm the author of the 120 Animal 12 book series on zoo animals and animals in general called Visit the Zoo. It's available on Kindle, in print, audiobook, DVD, and of course, this podcast. So I want to welcome all of you and thank you for joining me. Also, two more items. We have two new updates. The first is on our 12 book anthology where all 12 books of the Visit the Zoo series are now in one volume and that is available on Kindle. You can get the direct link if you want to get that one volume by going to our main website which is at zoo animals. That's plural zooanimals.com info zooanimals.info there you will find a link to this book the anthology and also all the other individual visit the zoo books as well that website by the way zooanimals.info we just updated that from stem to stern and it's been completely redone our two other websites uh, my main author website is at frederickfishman.com and that's spelled f-i-c-h-m-a-n frederick Fishman.com. And if you want to help and support everything that we do here on Visit the Zoo, you can go to our Patreon site. That's at P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Patreon.com slash Visit the Zoo. We have a lot of surprises and a lot going on in this episode. So what do you think? Want to get started? Let's go. We usually do Zoo News here, and that's what we're going to do today. And I'm going to do something I've done in a couple other episodes. I'm going to play for you three audio tracks from newsreels that were produced in the 30s, two of them in the 1930s and one in the 1960s. Newsreels used to be run in movie theaters before the main feature was played in movie houses around the world, but mainly here in the United States and other English-speaking countries, and they would usually cover the news of the day. There was no CNN then, of course, and feature stories as well. A lot of animal feature stories, and they would usually play the newsreel, then a cartoon, coming attractions, and then the main feature. So I've got three of those today, and I've got some comments about these three when we're finished. So let's play the first newsreel. The sport of wrestling finds its way into the Everglades. Tony Clark, veteran of the ring, is touring the local countryside and carrying his opponent with him. Said opponent is riding comfortably in the back seat. Whether you can see him or not, he's there. Bloody Adam. His professional name is Punch Drunk Percy. Oh, not because he'd make a good handbag. However, they just call him Allie for short. Come on, Allie, show a little pep or there won't be any herring for breakfast. Good gracious, Allie. You ought to see a dentist. Your 84th bicuspid there on the left side's in terrible shape. Now, stick out your tongue and say ah. And that's about an alligator in that particular newsreel. It went on for a few seconds more, but I, I just shut it down. You got the idea. Here is newsreel number two. And this is about a chimpanzee. <laughs> East, east, 
and west is west, and ne'er the twain shall meet. But in this case, a native of the African jungle plays twain with a modern motor car. You're thinking somebody made a monkey out of this driver, but that can't be, for he or, or she is a chimpanzee, and a chimp is not a monkey. Hey, you monkey-faced chimp, keep your eyes on the road and quit looking at the camera. Pardon me, you dope. I thought you were a coconut. All right, so you got a flavor for that one. Finally, here is our third newsreel. By the way, those first two that I played for you were from the year 1936, so they're really quite old. This one is from 1964, and it's about the rodeo, which came to Los Angeles. A lot of people are attracted by a fast buck, the kind a horse hands out at this rodeo in Los Angeles, California, that sees hard-riding cowboys out to tame the untamable. The ups and downs of the rodeo circuit are what keep the liniment business booming in these parts, partner. Then the crowd sees angry animals of a different breed as the cowpokes tangle with the Brahma steers. As they say, what goes on must come off. The riders have to stay on against the clock and those seconds tick off slowly. Usually, when they get the signal, the riders are glad to part company, but not here. The purses are fat, but the chances of coming through a rodeo season without injury are thin. You can see why. Maybe this is why they call it the rodeo circuit. Boy and beast go around together until they have a falling out. Hey, head for the nearest exit. Well, back when these were playing 60 to 80 years ago, animals were often treated like circus acts for sheer entertainment value to humans and not as fellow animals woven into the collective blanket of life that covers the earth. So you you can tell by just listening to those newsreels what people thought of the animals. Now, let's try something else. And now for something completely different. Yeah, we are going to do something completely different here as a public service from us here at Visit the Zoo to you. We know that summer is now upon us and, and you're going to go hiking and you're going to look for animals and maybe, depending where you are, how deep you are in the forest or the desert or on the plains, the animals will come looking for you. You will go for the scenery and exercise, of course, but you'll hopefully run onto an animal, which you probably will. There are some tips that you should have when you are hiking and the equipment that you carry and you you should carry something with you rather than just go out with a bottle of water. You should put a backpack on or a hip pack and at least have a few items. And I noticed in the local newspaper there was a, a list, a small list of some of the things that you should remember when you go hiking and some essentials you should carry with you. First of all, here are some safety tips. Uh, of course, in an emergency, you can call 911. Hopefully, you get a cell signal to someone who can get you some help. And you should take a, a day pack, 10 essentials, and I'll give them to you in just a second you should make sure that you turn around before half your water is gone so you're not left short at the very end tell a responsible person where you are hiking and when you expect to be back it really is best not to hike alone as well 
take a fully charged cell phone with you, turn the phone off, or place it in airplane mode to save battery life. Your cell phone may not work in backcountry, so you may have to move to a higher location where you can get a signal to place a call. Also, plan your hike so you are not hiking during the hottest part of the day. That would be especially true here in Arizona. Hike within your own ability, reasonable distance, and elevation gain or loss. Now, here are some of the things you should have in your hip pack or maybe even a backpack, even if you are just going out for a day hike, and that would be a recommended list I would certainly carry. I've got the 10 essentials here, but I also have some of my own that I have added. First of all, you should be aware of where you're going have means for navigation, whether it's an electronic GPS, but you should also carry a compass and a map as well of where you're going and how to get back. Number two, you should have sun protection, a hat, sunscreen, long sleeve shirts. You should also bring along insulation, extra clothing, such as a jacket or a fleece. And the reason for that is if you get lost, if you have to spend the night out there in the wilderness, temperatures do drop at night. Also, it would be smart to bring a lightweight uh, rain jacket as well. For illumination, definitely bring a flashlight or two. And a headlamp is very helpful because you can just slip it on top of your head and you can have both hands free. First aid kit wouldn't be a bad idea as well. And I'm going to give you some additions to that first aid kit as well. You should have some repair tools. You can have a multi-tool like uh, a Leatherman, you know, that has a lot of different blades and other things. And I've got one that I carry. I'll bring it up to the mic here. This is my Leatherman and I can open it up and it's got... A pair of pliers at the end, and it's got a knife and some, a little saw and a, and a few other items. And that's a good thing to carry with you when you go hiking. Next, I would also bring some nutrition. I mean, you're going to probably bring some lunch, but I would also bring some snacks and maybe an extra day's worth of snacks as well in case you need it. Hydration. You need water. That's all there is to it. It'll be heavy at first, but you'll need it. It's possible, especially during the summer days and the summer nights even. So bring along some water and bring along extra water. And finally, on this 10 essential list, bring some emergency shelter. That's a large plastic bag or a space blanket or something that you can cover yourself up with. Now, I do have a few other things that I think would be a, that wouldn't be a bad idea. I would slip into your pocket a knife. It doesn't have to be a huge butcher knife, but just a little pocket knife that you can use in an emergency. I would bring along some bug repellent, mosquito repellent, camera, definitely. There's going to be shots you're going to take. You could use your cell phone, but then you're using your battery for your cell phone. But either way, be able to take a picture wouldn't be a bad idea to bring along a power block for a phone charge. You can buy these little blocks. They're about three inches by about five inches, about as big as your cell phone, that carry enough power to recharge three to four times over your cell phones. That wouldn't be a bad idea. Also, I'd bring along a cordage of rope, 25, 50 feet long, something that you can string up and use as a lean-to or for some other purpose. If you have to start a fire to keep warm or to cook something, I would bring along some cotton balls soaked in some Vaseline and just put them in a small plastic sandwich bag. They make a great fire starter. You light that with some matches or lighter that you will hopefully carry, and that'll just light it, dry tinder 
write up. If you take daily maintenance medication, definitely bring some of that with you, a couple day supply. If you have an allergy and have allergic reactions to certain things, bring your EpiPen. And finally, other types of medication, stomach medication, headache medication, etc. So those are the type of type of things you should bring with you if you're going to go hiking and looking for animals out in the wilderness. And I hope that helps. animal mystery sound now so let's hear three animal sounds see if you can guess what they are i'll tell you later on in the episode what they are here is our first animal sound that sounds familiar doesn't it and i'll tell you why later on let's go to our second animal sound Here is our third animal sound, which should sound familiar. And those are our three animal sounds for today. Answers later on in the episode. Okay, it's animal description sound now, where I play a segment from one of the 12 books that I recorded audiobooks for Visit the Zoo. Today, we're going to take a look at the cougar. Sometimes nature reveals a near-perfect animal. The cougar is extremely well adapted to its surroundings, takes advantage of available food sources, and is widely distributed. It has Guinness World Book of Records distinction of having more names than any other animal. In English alone, it is called by 40 names. There are 32 subspecies of cougar, mountain lion, or panther. It also has the distinction of having one of the largest ranges of existence in the Western Hemisphere. It lives from as far north as the Canadian Yukon to the Andes Mountains of South America. It is adaptable to almost any environment but prefers dense underbrush and rock areas. It shares its apex predator status with the gray wolf, American bears, grizzly bears. In those areas of habitat, it prefers dense underbrush and rocky areas. Good hiding and launch points for its mode of attack as an ambush predator. It likes to stalk, sneak up, and then pounce on its prey. It is solitary and it is reclusive. It lives mostly alone except to breed or when females tend their young. The females like to den caves and in alcoves for that purpose. It will defend its territory and will eat anything it can catch. Its favorite menu items include deer, elk, moose, bighorn sheep. It will not turn down an occasional snack of insects or rodents. It is nocturnal, hunts and moves mainly at night. It is the second heaviest of all small cats, the jaguar being larger. It is not considered a big cat because it does not roar. It screams but has very little verbal communication skills. It is agile despite its size. It is between 25 and 35 inches high at the shoulders and has an average length nose to tail of about 7.9 feet. Its tail alone is 25 to 37 inches long. Males weigh about 115 to 220 pounds and the females weigh about 141 to 161 pounds. The largest recorded cougar somewhere in Arizona weighed in at a whopping 300 pounds. It has a round neck, erect ears, and piercing eyes. 
It has a strongly muscled neck and jaw that allows it to really clamp down hard on its prey. It has large paws, third largest of all cats, and it can leap 18 feet and bound from a run between 40 and 45 feet. It can run between 40 and 50 miles per hour. It runs in spurts and sprints like the cheetah of Africa, a close relative. It needs to bring down a large prey once every two weeks. It eats what it can at the first sitting and then buries the rest for later. It does not scavenge dead animals. There are some countries it lives in that provide some habitat protection, but they are successful species nevertheless with a population in the Western Hemisphere of about 50,000 individuals. Okay, now the touchy subject of relations with human beings. All it takes is a couple of news reports of hikers or bikers out on city fringe trails being attacked by a cougar or mountain lion to raise the fear scale off the charts. All that can be said in the truth of the matter is that these attacks are rare. In Tanzania alone, there are about 70 fatalities a year from cougars. Environment is much rougher there, of course. But in the U.S., an average of 26 people per year are killed by dogs. No other predators make it a habit of preying on them. Their speed and agility make them unlikely targets. Below is a quote from several sources that generalizes how to handle a possible cougar attack if you are unlucky enough to be in one. As with many predators, a cougar may attack if cornered. If a fleeing human stimulates their instinct to chase, or if a person plays dead, standing alone, however, may cause the cougar to consider a person easy prey. Exaggerating the threat to the animal through intense eye contact, loud but calm shouting, and any other action appear larger and more menacing may make the animal retreat. Fighting back with sticks and rocks or even bare hands is often effective in persuading an attacking cougar to disengage. The watchword is to be alert on mountain trails and be careful. All in all, it is still a beautiful animal we share our space with here on planet Earth. And that's a little bit about the cougar. Let's go back to our animal sounds now. Let me play these for you, and I'll tell you what these animals are. That is a kookaburra. That squawking bird is a native to Australia and also to New Guinea. They grow to about 11 to 17 inches long, and when you want to stock sound of the Australian bush. Well, this is the sound that you usually use. Filmmakers seem to always go to the kookaburra for that. Their distinctive laughing sound is in use in TV and film and attraction parks around the world. They're carnivorous. They eat mice, snakes, insects, small reptiles. They may even snatch small fish from ponds. They are a territorial species and considered of least concern by conservationists. Here is our, our next mystery animal sound. What I did there is I stitched together two sounds of this animal. These zebras probably are as distinctive for Africa and the animal world more than any other animal, other than maybe the lion or the cheetah, 
giraffe. There are three species of these magnificent creatures. They are the plains, mountains, and the grevy zebras. And they are a member of the horse family. And of course, their coats, their distinctive black and white striped coats, set them apart from any other animal on the African plain. They're social animals that live in small groups called harems. Their habitats include the grasslands, savannas, woodlands, coastal hills, and scrublands of Africa. They're usually about 47 to 51 inches in height at the shoulder, and they can weigh as much as 770 pounds. Of course, the big question is, why the stripes? You know, why is it that they are unique in that regards? Well, it's easy for them to hide in tall grass and make a confusing image for their enemies. And when they move, motion dazzle adds to even more confusion, so it's hard to zero in on them. And maybe it's a visual cue as well, scientists think, as an identification, so they know one zebra from another. They have excellent eyesight and hearing, and they will eat grass, shrubs, bark. Domestication is tough with these animals because they are so unpredictable. Here is our final mystery animal sound. That, of course, is an owl. With owls, the females are larger than the males, and there are 200 separate species of owls. They have large, broad heads and binocular vision, binaural hearing, they have sharp talons, and their feathers are built for a silent flight. They hunt small mammals like rats and mice, but they will eat insects and other birds, too. They're found in all regions of the planet except in Antarctica. The smallest is called the elf owl, and it weighs less than 2.5 ounces, and it's about 5 inches tall. The largest is the great gray owl, which is 28 inches tall. They struggle to keep warm because their feathers are not waterproof, and their heads can swivel around, as you've seen in, I'm sure, many a video, 270 degrees. They have excellent night vision, and they are excellent night hunters. Their hearing is keen and sharp. Beautiful birds. This is the segment of the show where we usually read a poem or read a quotation about animals, but I'm going to do something different. I'm going to tell you a little bit about what we're going to be doing here. About a year ago, but before the podcast, I wanted to write a fiction story about the Visit the Zoo animal series, and I wanted to describe characters and creatures in a story that has some imagination, adventure, and fantasy to it. So I wrote a book called Noah, An Animal Adventure Fantasy. And it's available as well uh, as print or on Kindle. And as an audiobook, uh, you can get that either through Amazon or audible.com. And you can get the link to that from my site, zooanimals.info. Anyhow, I wanted to put this book together and it has some personal meaning f- for me as well in our family. So it was an important project for me, but I did finish it. And what I thought is I would just give you a little bit of a taste to see maybe if you want to read the rest of it or hear the rest of it in the audio book form and what I'm going to be doing for the next three consecutive weeks I'm going to be playing at the beginning of the book chapter one today chapter two next week next episode and chapter number three the episode after that so let's listen to the first chapter of Noah an animal adventure fantasy chapter one Noah was frozen in a digital trance He stared into his computer screen, transfixed and mesmerized by the motion and color of the action on his 23-inch monitor. 
He was playing the hottest game of the year that drew away so many hours of his days lately. His parents would beseech him to go outside and play, whatever that was, to enjoy the fresh air and sunshine of the southwestern city they lived in. But Noah's world was on that computer screen, and that had become his reality lately. He thought he heard someone squawking at him, so he answered with his usual, I'll be there in a minute. That was the standard response any 12-year-old would give, right? He knew adults would be satisfied for only a few minutes with that answer. He figured if you said it enough times, you could buy yourself time to stall out the unknown and inevitable. About ten minutes later, Noah was in the back of his parents' antique classic 1952 pink Buick. He only hoped none of his friends and certainly none of the young ladies in the neighborhood would see him. He hunched down in the back seat, trying to hide from the almost certain disdainful and whimsical looks he would get as the chrome antique rolled down the street. He couldn't stand the looks or stares. He just wanted to be left alone. He stared toward the front passenger seat at his mother. When she smiled, Noah thought his mother always seemed to look prettier. She turned from the right front passenger seat and flashed that electric smile of hers at Noah. Noah, isn't this going to be fun? It's a beautiful, crisp, clear day to be wandering around through the zoo, seeing all those fascinating creatures. He stared back at her with no response and finally gave a low harumph of agreement. His father, strong, tall, somewhat humorless, had to chime in. You'll love it, buddy. You'll finally get off your duff and get away from that computer. Noah turned away to watch the traffic on the fast-moving highway. I know it will get you up and moving again, Noah. His mother's smile dropped a bit. It's good to get out more, Noah, to explore and see the world. Noah turned away again and watched the cars on the highway. Everyone he saw on the road was rushing about, pressed by deadlines. Places to go, people to see, deals to be made, and purchases, always purchases. He barely listened to his parents, and as they chatted away about which continent in the zoo they would visit first, maybe they should go first to the noisy aviary, filled with screeching and squawking birds, or maybe the quieter small aquarium. Can they see it all? How about lunch? Where should they go next? Where should they go last? Noah tuned out the conversation from the front of the hulking car. Noah's imagination began to take him away from that huge old Buick rolling down the road. But the visions he saw in his head were jumbled, nonspecific, jumping from image to image. He was just moving through time in his own imaginary world, and not enough of that time had passed yet for him to feel normal. We have had a fully packed episode this time, and I want to thank you very much for joining me this week on the Visit the Zoo podcast. We'll do it again next week with even more exciting new surprises coming along, and I'll also play that Noah book for you 
chapter number two will be presented then. Thank you for joining me again today. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you're listening to this on iTunes or one of the 10 plus other directories that this podcast has been delivered to. Or you can go to the website and listen to any of the past episodes of Visit the Zoo as well. And that's at the main website at Zoo Animals, plural, zooanimals.com. Info And again, if you want to help support us, you can go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash visit the zoo. I hope you had some fun, learned a few things today, and please join me again next week on the Visit the Zoo podcast. Take care. Bye for now.